1209. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We are live streaming the first couple segments of the program. Facebook Live. It's Facebook.com slash 620 WTMJ. You can watch us as we make radio magic. Okay, Eric Bilstadt, you, you want to go on the record with the prediction of what happens with the Brewers in the playoffs over the weekend? I believe that there will be a game on Monday. I, I, I feel like they are going to tie with the Cubs and they'll play a, a tiebreaker NL Central Championship game on Monday. Right. Uh, for that, so, for example, you think the Brewers sweep and the Cubs win two out of three. Yeah, or or yeah, one out of three which for the would, Cubs and then two out of three for the Which three. would leave them tied. Yes. And then you would have a game on Monday to determine who is the champion mm-hmm. of the division. Right. That person then gets off until Thursday. The team that loses on Monday then has to turn around and play on Tuesday. Tuesday a yeah. one. Yeah. See this. This. This is the cool <laughs> thing about baseball and being in it. I mean, you know, you and, and you know, I. You can certainly make the the case. I mean, I. I think. I, I don't think the Cubs are going to win all three. Um, I don't think so either. You know, and St. Louis has incentive. I mean, St. Louis is, is a game out of that second wild card spice. They're, they're a game behind Los Angeles. They're playing at Chicago. So, I mean, there are tribals. St. Louis has, has every incentive in the world to try to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other interesting thing I think about what's going on is St. Louis plays this afternoon and they play tomorrow afternoon against Chicago. The Brewers, for better or worse, are going to know what the Cubs did because they're <laughs> right. playing Friday. I mean, right. so again, I mean, so the Brewers, for example, if the Cubs were to lose this afternoon, they'll know that going into this and game think tonight. Of the energy tonight, if that happens, oh the yeah, Cubs lose this afternoon, the energy tonight will be crazy. I, well, I, as somebody who's this, this is the you know we bought a my buddy Evan and I bought a twenty game package of season tickets, and this is this is the last game we have. So yeah. this is you know we're, we're going tonight, and I'm I I just I actually my wife gave me permission. I I have a lot. I'm, if people tune in on Facebook Live, I'm wearing one of my some of my Packers stuff today. But I got a lot of Brewers stuff, and I, I got permission that I'm allowed to, I'm allowed to buy new Brewers swag oh, nice, tonight. So nice. I, I I've been given because normally it's like all right, you know, I need to have approval before, and it's and it's actually good. I don't complain about that because I've got lots of T-shirts and stuff. But I have been given permission to go buy new Brewers okay. swag tonight, so, so I will do that. <laughs> also, you know, if you want to understand how big this is, and and we we have been announcing this. Uh, the the Brewers game on Sunday is going to be on WTMJ. Mm-hmm. Um, that I won't say it's never happened in the twenty years I've been here, but it rarely happens. The Packers game, which is going to be si- going on at the same time contemporaneously with the Brewers game, that's going to go to our sister station WKTI, yep. um, which I, again underscores the importance of this game and how cool that is because it's typically not the Packers game that gets bumped, but today. This weekend, because of everything, if you're listening, and I'll, I mean, I'm going to be going back and forth. I think a lot of people are as well. Eric, Eric Bilstadt, he's on the record. He says he thinks there is a one-game playoff on um, yeah. on Monday. Oh. I, I, you know, I, I, I just don't know. I, I just, I, I put you on the spot asking for a prediction. I don't know, but I think it's going to be cool to, it's going to be cool to watch. It'll be a great and, weekend, and, great and that's it. So, um, and again, you can hear it all here. On WTMJ. All right. Speaking of hearing it all here on WTMJ, we we spent a good portion of the program yesterday in wall to wall coverage. The hearings involving Judge Brett Kavanaugh and his accuser, Dr. Christine Ford. Her testimony in the morning. Uh, this was actually last night on cable television. It was one of the largest ratings ever as people turned in, tuned in and they were mesmerized. I will explain to you what I would do if I were a member of the Senate Judiciary Committee. 
and then we're going to open up the phone lines and I'm going to give you a chance to react. And my question is going to be, what, what would you do? If I were a member of the Senate Judiciary Committee, I would be voting to confirm Judge Kavanaugh. Let me explain why. First of all, I, I think he is eminently qualified. That, that's, that's the start. You look at the guy's career, his background. He is the textbook example of what you would expect a conservative president to appoint to the U.S. Supreme Court. He's got a, a record as a judge that I think is distinguished. He's got the type of real-world experience, both in government and the private sector, that I think you like to see brought to the bench. I, I think, again, he, he is eminently qualified. The only question would be, is this allegation of something he allegedly did when he was 17 years old, is that sufficient to derail this? If you appoint him to the Supreme Court bench, does that mean you are turning your back and supporting the rape culture or all that type of stuff? My, my answer to that would be no. Here, here's the bottom line. I In this country, you are presumed innocent until proven guilty. Now, I understand that that's that's in a court of law that people make all sorts of other judgments you know outside of that and that standard does not apply necessarily to confirming a supreme court justice having said that i i just i don't think you can derail somebody's career and derail them and disqualify them for high public office if they are otherwise qualified based on a completely and totally uncorroborated allegation from 30-plus years ago. And that's, that's just what you have here. I don't know, what's, I don't know what happened, if anything happened. I, I, I just I, I don't. But, but nobody does. But I do think it's sort of scary in this country if somebody can come forward and say, I have no evidence at all. I didn't tell anybody about this. There's no contemporaneous evidence. You just have to take my word for it that this person did something like this 37 years ago, and there's no sort of pattern and practice to this which emerges, especially when you give, when you consider what the political climate is today, which is that ever since Judge Kavanaugh was nominated, you had Democrats who agreed that they were going to do anything they possibly could to derail the nomination, which is, of course, why you wait to the last minute to try to drop this bombshell. I would vote for Judge Kavanaugh. I do not think that that is, in, that's certainly not, in my opinion, an endorsement of, gee, violence towards women. I understand that the easiest thing to do, the easiest thing to do, quite candidly, would be to kill the Kavanaugh nomination. That, that, then, of course, you know, you, you have everybody that says, all right, you know, we, we, we've defeated him. This is great. You know, the left can completely and totally celebrate. President Trump can come up with another nominee, probably somebody who's even more conservative, maybe arguably less qualified. My guess is the next appointment would be a woman to just avoid this because I know if he comes out and he appoints another male, you are going to have the exact same sort of inquiry that went on here. So in some respects, the easiest thing to do would be just to say, let's start all over again and let's do it on on a quick timetable. I don't think that's fair, though, to the nominee. I, I just don't. And I think if you are going to derail somebody, and I, and I say this 
says, people on the left need to be careful because at some point in time, the shoe is going to be on the other foot. I, I think that, you know, we need to have certain standards as to standards of proof and requirements of corroboration that, that you have before you, again, derail a nomination. Now, for everybody who says, well, we should slow walk this so the FBI can do an investigation, I will say the same thing I've been saying for the last week. An FBI back, additional background investigation at this point is is futile. It is useless. It is nothing but another delaying tactic because it, it's not going to shed any light on anything. It's not like this lady comes forward and says, hey, I've got witnesses. You have to go out and you have to interview these various witnesses because they will support my claims. That that's that, That's not there. There's nothing to investigate. She makes this claim. There is nothing to support the allegations. They are vague in the extreme. And again, I understand people saw her yesterday. If you want to believe her, that that's that's fine. I mean, you know, but you don't have anything beyond that to investigate. You know, the people that she alleges were involved, this Mark Judge, he's already issued a statement under oath saying, I, I this is not the guy. I never saw Kavanaugh do anything like this. I have no recollection of any sort of event like this. None of the people that she says might have been there have any recollection of it. An investigation is futile at this point in time and and serves no purpose other than to delay. That's why if I were on the Judiciary Committee, I would vote for Judge Kavanaugh. I don't know what happened, if anything happened, 30-plus years ago. But I think these allegations, for the purpose of deciding whether he's qualified for the Supreme Court, are simply too old and completely uncorroborated. And as a result of that, I just don't think that he should be denied the ability to be a Supreme Court justice. And if the shoe is on the other foot, I I like to think that I will take the same sort of approach. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, that's my thinking. That is my rationale, as best I can explain it. Would you vote to confirm Judge Kavanaugh? Should he, in fact, be confirmed? Or would we be putting essentially a would-be attempted rapist on the Supreme Court? And would it be better just to start over and find somebody else? What would you do? 414-799-1620. Again, we're up on Facebook Live. It's Facebook, Facebook.com slash 620 WTMJ. Back with your calls in a moment. 1219, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1222, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, Chris and Campbell Sports Text. Absolutely, I would approve him. I also applaud Senator Graham for speaking up against awful tactics of the left. Kavanaugh all the way. All right, here's another text. It's possible to believe both. Something happened to her, but maybe it wasn't by him. A brief investigation by the FBI would determine officially if there was any cause to delay. What's the rush? No, I, I, and I guess th- this is one of the parts that does make me bash my head against the table. An FBI investigation is going to add nothing to this. I mean, there, there's no other witnesses to interview. I mean, it's not like the FBI is going to suddenly, based on the information it has, miraculously be able to pull out a time capsule and find a film from some evening in some month in the summer of 1980, What, whatever. I mean, there's there's nothing more that you can do. And and maybe that's unfortunate. Maybe it's explained because this is how people who are survivors of this, they, they can't be expected to remember things. But there's just flat out nothing to go on. The people that she has identified have already all made statements. 
The woman, she says, was there, says, I, I have no recollection of this. I, I, I don't, uh, to my knowledge, nothing like this happened. The guy that she's identified as being with Kavanaugh has said, I, this did not, ha- I have no recollection of this. I never saw Brett Kavanaugh do anything like this. Beyond that, where, where do you go? Let's talk to Paul in Illinois. Paul, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Paul. I have to say, I would vote to confirm, because one of the foundations of our legal system is you are innocent until proven guilty. And what I saw yesterday, what I heard yesterday, was not proof. Written statements could be fiction, nonfiction, but I saw no proof of what she was claiming. And again, we are innocent until proven guilty. I think this is a delay tactic. Oh, sure. Her lawyer could have collaborated with other people, but again, I saw no proof. And I don't think we should be hanging this guy because of what somebody else does. Right. Well, thank, well, I mean, again, a, a, an uncorroborated thing. I'm getting these take nobody in an interview. Mark Judge, anyone? Mark Judge has already issued statements that are under oath. The FBI. What are they going to do? Are you, do you expect that the FBI is going to do water torture and come up with something different than that? Mark Judge is already on record under penalty of perjury. Saying what happened? Do you think he's going to, if I'm the lawyer for Mark Judge and the FBI comes knocking, I just take that same sworn statement that he's already given to the Senate investigators, I give it to the FBI and say, here, this is what my client has to say. I mean, I, it's, look, I, maybe people are frustrated and maybe people wish you could go into the Wayback Machine and, and figure out, all right, was there anything that was there? But right now, based on the evidence you have, you don't know when this occurred. You don't know where it occurred. The people that she says were there say that they have no recollection of it and it didn't happen. So so what what more investigation are you going to come up with? 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Carlton in Milwaukee. Carlton, you're on WTMJ. Uh, yeah, yes, Jeff, this is the first time I'm calling. Um, I believe that um, the Democrats, they are using this um uh, whole issue as a means to destroy a good man. Mm-hmm. He was able to provide proof that he was not there. He may not have been in town at the time of this play. Right. And I believe the man is an innocent man. The process should go forward. Thanks for the call. I pre- well, I mean, you know, he, he, he's got the calendar. And, you know, I mean, he to the extent there's any sort of specificity, it, it's, it's coming from him. He's saying, I'm not in town on, on these kind of weekends. I mean, at, at some point in time, I do think it is fair to say to somebody who's going to make very serious accusations of someone, and, and let's take it beyond the realm of sexual assault. I mean, to, if, if you're going to accuse somebody uh, of this type of reprehensible conduct, and there's really no pattern of practice, and you're going to say this happened 30 years ago, don't you think it, it's right to at least require that accuser to have some sort of shred of, of proof or some sort of corroboration? And again, take it outside the range of sexual assault. Imagine how you would feel if somebody comes back and says, 35 years ago, you, this person did this to you. And this is, this is what this guy did to me. And, you know, I, I, I don't think he should be able or she should be able to get a job. And you say it's not true. How do you disprove that? All right, back with more of your calls in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Look, I understand this is a difficult situation, and, and nobody comes out of this looking good. And it's unfortunate of the timing. It's unfortunate that this has come out. But, again, I, for the reasons I explained, if I'm in the Senate, I, I vote for him absent any sort of corroboration of her claims. 1227, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 
1229, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Here's a text. No, he should not be confirmed. How is this different than the collegiate baseball player who assaulted his niece when he was 17? Everybody said he should not play in the major, in major League Baseball. Well, the, the difference is the guy was convicted of assaulting his niece. I mean, that, that's... that. The, in that case, he has a felony conviction for assaulting his niece. He's a registered sex offender. That's not what we have here. All right, tell you what, I'm, I'm going to take a quick break from this. We had a lot of great calls on the line. We're going to do this for one more segment. We're going to keep the Facebook Live process going for one more segment as well. Um, the vote should be coming within the next few minutes as well. How would you vote if you were in the Senate? Yes or no? It is a difficult call. I concede that. 1238, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We are continuing to monitor the Senate Judiciary Committee. The the headlines are there is drama, something going on behind the scenes. Who knows? All right. Lisa in Milwaukee. Lisa, thanks for waiting. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Lisa. Listen, I would vote to confirm him. You know, I watched a lot of that hearing yesterday, and I really believe him. You know, I really, I looked at a man that felt like his life was being destroyed. Hmm. Everything he had worked for, for really, really hard for. And what I was thinking is, what does this say to young boys? That every time a girl says that you touched her or you did something appropriate, she's always telling the truth. And you can be the honor student, a good guy, mm-hmm. academically and everything else, but you're a potential sexual predator. Well, and, and you could have lived a, a very good, positive life. Because um, keep in mind, that's the other thing. This happened 37 years ago. It, it's not like she's saying he did it a year or two ago. Exactly. And, and there's the key is there's no proof. She admits that at age 15 she has one beer. Well, what if she had three beers? Mm-hmm. Every drunk driver that's pulled over only had two, right? Yeah. And again, I, she, I mean, I didn't. I, the, the frustrating, too. you know, and the frustrating thing to me, Lisa, I don't know what happened. I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. If anything did happen, but at some point in time, I guess I say thirty-five, thirty-six years ago, I, unless you're able to provide corroboration, can you? And, and you said it. The, the guy was seemed like frustrated, like his life has been destroyed. In many respects, it has. He's never going to get his reputation back. And even if he's confirmed to the U.S. Supreme Court, he's always going to be. The guy that, in the minds of at least a lot of people, was, was a rapist when he was 17 years old. The it, bottom line for me is, would you want someone to come in your job tomorrow and fire you from a job you've been on for 20 years because somebody said something that, that you did in high school and you're 40? Um, no. Who in the world would yeah. want that? No. You know, and I think about people have sons, brothers, husbands. There are a lot of good men. There are a lot of good men that wouldn't hurt any woman. Right. Yeah. No. Thank. thank you know, you know what I mean? I, No, I do. No. Thanks for calling. And that's. And I think that's the thing that. I, do, do I think? I, I mean, look. I. I mean, and I understand. I, I. I think there's been a lot of positive stuff that comes out of that the Me Too movement. I. I, I do. And you've identified a number of people who have been the, the serial sexual predators. Harvey Weinstein being a classic example of that. But that's not Brett Kavanaugh. I mean, and, and nobody says it. It's Brett Kavanaugh. Harvey Weinstein had a casting couch that was a mile long, and he did it for years and years and years, and both men and women and members of the media looked the other way because he was powerful, and I think in large part because he was a big donor to the left, and he was a champion of women's rights at the same time he was abusing all these different women. Well, okay, they looked the other way on that, but there was proof for somebody like a Harvey Weinstein. Let's talk to Greg in West Dallas. Greg, you're on WTMJ. Hey there. Hi, Greg. My issue with him, and I would not vote to confirm, is that right now he's damaged goods. He is, and he will always be damaged goods, no question about and it. And all he can do right now 
is hurt the Republican Party. And I say it as a libertarian. I do not vote for Trump or Hillary. I say that if the Republican Party wants to save itself, they need to vote no. Okay, tell me why you tell me why you think that because I, I will tell you the the contrary the, the flip side to that argument will be among a lot of Republicans, given the lack of corroborating evidence, if if the if the Senate fails to confirm, there's going to be a lot of Republicans who are angry because they're going to think this guy got railroaded. Oh, I'm, I don't know if he's getting railroaded or not. I didn't hear a lot of the hearing. I was at work. Mm-hmm. Sure. But the issue is, the party has had its own issues with women over the past couple of years, especially with mm-hmm. electing Trump. We're being accused of ignoring sexual assault, ignoring all rights of women, all rights of so many different people, and now we're just... Mm-hmm. I've voted Republican before, I've voted Libertarian before, I've voted for a few Democrats that I've known personally. Right. But if, if the Republican Party wants to save itself, and it's already declining... And they really need to. Actually, the best thing I think would be for uh, Kavanaugh and Trump to get in and say we're going to just set this aside for now and have nominate someone else. Yeah, well, so, I mean, think, well, that, I mean, that, that's the thing. They, they that, that is the core, and I, I, where I agree with you is that is the course of least resistance. I mean, it, it is because you're right. Brett Kavanaugh is damaged goods. That whether he's confirmed in the Supreme Court or not, his his life he will forever be identified as being a, a guy who. At least in the minds, like I say, of some people attempted to sexually assault a, a woman, and, and that's that that's going to haunt him for the rest of his life. And I think some of the frustration you saw when he testified yesterday was a, a recognition of that. And uh, again, I understand that there's some people who don't that think he's lying, who believe he's lying. But imagine if he's telling the truth. If he is telling the truth, imagine if that was you. For, and let's take aside the gender. Imagine male or female. If you were wrongfully accused of something, no corroborating evidence from 35 years ago, and you recognize that it was forever going to tarnish you in the most public ways, imagine how you would feel about it. But I, I do agree with you, Greg. The course of least res- here here's the course of least resistance. He steps down, and he said he's not going to step aside. Course of least resistance is he's voted down. President Trump nominates somebody tomorrow. My guess is, if I were making a recommendation, you find find a woman. So that might d- diminish any sort of allegations because, you know, the next guy that gets nominated, it's going to be the same sort of thing. People are going to go back saying, is there anybody in fifth grade that says something about this? Nominate a woman, maybe even somebody arguably more conservative, and then, you know, put it on the fast track. That's the easy thing to do. That's the course of least resistance. It gives the left a, a win. And, you know, then you say, okay, can they gear up and provide the same energy and towards trying to stop whoever the next nominee is? That's the course of least resistance. And, and maybe that's the politically expedient thing to do. Is it the right thing to do, though? All right, it's 1244. We're continuing to monitor. Um, as soon as there is a committee vote, we'll let you know. 1244, let's take a quick break. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. One oh nine, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So, crew who's producing the show today and always. Think everybody follow just what happened in the last few minutes. All right, uh, let me break it down as simply as I can. The the Senate Judiciary Committee is responsible for making preliminary votes on all judicial nominees: federal district judges, federal appellate court judges, and U.S. Supreme Court judges. That's what's been going on the, the Kavanaugh hearings over the last week or or so. So today was the day that the committee was going to vote on sending the nomination to the Senate floor. 
where the entire Senate votes for it. There's 11 Republicans, there's 10 Democrats, all 10 Democrats are voting no. They were always going to be voting no. So what happened is, right before the vote, Jeff Flake, who is the retiring senator from Arizona and who has been at odds with President Trump for the last two years, he he was caucusing with Democrats, and he came out and he said, I'm I'm going to vote yes to send the nomination on, but... I'm not going to be in a position to vote yes unless the FBI has had a week to complete a, a limited in time and scope investigation. And so then there was all this conversation back and, and forth. Well, I mean, the reality is that this committee can't bind the entire U.S. Senate. But the, the, the power that Flake has is that there's only 51 Republicans, there's 49 Democrats, so the Republicans really can't lose they can only lose one vote and still confirm Judge Kavanaugh. So that's that's the card that Jeff Flake has. If he says, "Look, I'm not gonna, I, I I'm not gonna vote yes until the FBI's had a couple days to do this investigation," that's the power he has. Now the committee can't again bind anybody. Bottom line is the nomination advances, but. Jeff Flake, and my guess is there's probably one or two other Republican senators who will be joining and saying, look, we're, we're not going to commit to voting yes until the FBI has a chance to look at this. We're not giving them carte blanche. We're saying you have a couple days. And as I have been saying for the longest time, uh, I will be stunned if an FBI investigation turns up any new evidence. There's just nothing. I mean, I, I'm, I'm feeling sorry. The poor FBI agent who gets this file well, what, what are you supposed to do? You go out, you interview Mark Judge. Well, if I'm Mark Judge, I'm sitting there with my attorney, and I say, hey, this is the sworn statement we gave. This is what I have to say. I don't know anything more about it. You interview the other woman who was identified by the the accuser. She said she's already given a statement under oath saying, I, I don't have any recollection of this. I don't know Kavanaugh. All right. She says the same thing. I, I don't know that an investigation is going to advance it any further, but Flake is saying, I'm not going to, I'm not going to vote yes on Tuesday. So if he and a couple other Republicans join in this, it means that the vote probably can't come before the end of next week. So that, that's, that is where we stand now. For people who, if you just want to just look at the, the politics of all this and, and let's put Kavanaugh out of the question for the moment. But just if you look at how things done get done, this is why elections matter. Remember a few months ago when the Republicans in Alabama nominated that crazy judge Roy Moore, probably the only Republican in Alabama who could not have won that race. But, you know, he ended up losing. And so now you lose an, an extra vote and you the Republican majority allows itself to be again if you you just they have no votes to lose so you pretty much have to give in to procedures that some of the members want so i, I don't think that this is a, a huge roadblock in the kavanaugh nomination it's more like yet another speed bump along the way all right let us completely and totally switch gears because there's a story that's been percolating kind of from the world of sports but i I want to ask you if you think that there is perhaps another side to this story. Now, let me back into this. Several years ago, I was at a Milwaukee Bucks game. Uh, to tell you how long ago this was, Jason Kidd, who was the previous coach of the Milwaukee Bucks, Jason Kidd was playing for the New Jersey Nets. And Jason Kidd had just been arrested or accused of 
spousal abuse. Right? That, that, so that tells you how many years ago it was. So I'm sitting in, I think it was TMJ seats, because they were pretty good seats, the Bucks game. And there was a guy behind me who, from the first moment, in the beginning of the first quarter, that Jason Kidd touched the ball, the guy at the top of his lungs, and I mean the top of his lungs, would scream, wife beater, at the top of his lungs. First time Jason Kidd touched the ball. The second time that Jason Kidd touched the ball, the guy screamed, wife beater. And I swear, every and Jason Jason Kidd is a point guard for the New Jersey Nets. He touched the ball a lot. Every time Jason Kidd touched the ball, this guy screamed at the top of his lungs, wife beater. All right, it got really old, really fast, to the point that everybody kind of in this section was turning around and giving the guy dirty looks, and a couple people were saying, come on, pal, knock it off. And the guy got kind of belligerent. So I'm not cursing. I paid my money. This is what I want to do. And, you know, we, we kind of got nowhere. He, he, he wasn't cursing. But you know, here you had the guy that w- was screaming this at the top of, of his lungs and just wouldn't stop. He wasn't being obscene. He was just being annoying and, and annoying to the extreme. And, and I think this guy spoiled the experience that a lot of people had. All right. Now, the story I'm going to tell you about is a little bit different than that. But at the same time, there's a woman who's being portrayed as the worst person in America. And I'm not sure that's fair. Stick around. I'll tell you about it in just a moment. It's 116 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 119 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right, so here's the story. There's a family, and they're at a Houston Astros baseball game last weekend. And it's a mom and a dad, and it's an eight-year-old. Now, the eight-year-old apparently has been diagnosed with something called DMDD, Disruptive Mood Dysregulation Disorder, a condition in which she can't comprehend emotions greater than that of a toddler. All right, so um, now I don't know if the people around her knew that she had this particular condition or not, but she is she's cheering for the Astros team. Now, on the video... What she's doing is she's she's doing the Ferris Bueller thing, you know, where the character in Ferris Bueller goes, "Hey, batter, 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 swing, batter, batter, batter." You know, that's 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 what she's doing it, and she's kind of doing it repeatedly, and then she's shouting like like strikeout. And what's getting all the attention is while she's doing the "Hey, batter, 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 swing, batter," um, a, a woman who's sitting in front of her kind of turns around and sort of gives her a look kind of like and this says can can you settle down or can you knock it off and it gets captured on the cell phone video because the mom is taking a cell phone video of the girl doing this and it goes viral and now there's a search on to figure out who the woman was that was sitting in the front row that had the audacity to talk to the kid and the Houston Astros are saying well this is you know here we're going to invite her to the playoff games and you know we want our fans to cheer and all that and and I understand all that I I, I do and I guess I I also understand that just like I don't know if you're sitting on that airplane and you've got the kid behind you that that's kicking your seat Constantly, and this isn't kicking the seat, but the kid that's kicking your seat, you know, it, it's probably best to, to like give the dirty look to your the mother as opposed to the kid. 
but but the woman who who turned around and who kind of said something like, "Would you knock it off?" Um, she's now being viewed as the the worst person in America. And like I say, there's this search in social media to try to figure out who who it was that would possibly have said this to a child. And then you've got all these people going, well, you're supposed to go to baseball games and you're supposed to cheer, etc. Now, I I don't want to be the, hey, kid, get off my lawn guy. But my question is, is it possible that there might be more to this story? For example... And, and and I just say this, if, if you're in the sixth or the seventh inning and, and you're sitting there and, and you have you have a child who's been doing this for the last hour and a half, um, is it an unreasonable reaction if if the person in front of him at some point in time would have like turned around and said, knock it off or, or be quiet or or whatever? I mean, I, I understand, and believe me, I'm, I'm the guy, I go to lots of baseball games, I go to football games, I go to Marquette basketball games, you know, and I, I'm all into cheering and stuff like that. But, and again, we don't know all the facts. We do know that, that she was, was cheering, and we know that she'd been doing it for a while. So I, I'm certainly not going to condemn the, the little girl for doing this. But on the other hand, if that's, if that's you, and, and you're sitting and you paid your money and you're sitting at the game and you, you have somebody, child or adult, who is behind you and if who, who's been doing this incessantly for the last half hour or hour or hour and a half, if that were to be the case, is it completely unreasonable for somebody to kind of turn around and say, hey, can you dial it back? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, like I say, the way this is presented is whoever this unnamed person is is the worst person in the world for having the audacity to shush, to shush, you know, the, the, the kid who's cheering. And I, I understand. And if you just look at it in a snippet, the kid is going, hey, batter, 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 swing. And the, the woman turns around and asks her to be quiet. I, I get all that. My only question is, if, if this had been going on for a prolonged period of time, right, is, is it completely out of line to have said, hey, can you, can you knock it off? All right, 414-799-1620, what do you think? Let's start with Jeff in Fox Point. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. Um, as long as she didn't threaten the kid, get belligerent with him or swear him or something like that, I think she's perfectly within her right to ask, ask the kid to calm down. Right. If, if if it had been going on for uh, if it had been a prolonged thing going on for a long period of time, like the story I was telling about the guy who's just screaming wife beater at the top of his lungs for four quarters in the baseball game and the basketball game. I don't think you even need that long. I was one. I was recently in a situation where some kids were jumping on a rickety picnic table I was trying to eat on. And I, I asked that for about five minutes very politely, and I'm very appreciative that their mom did not make me publicly public enemy number one. Got it. Thanks, thanks for calling, Jeff. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let me take a quick break. Rue is lining up the calls. I, it, it, is it possible that there is a second side to the, this story? And, and that is, if this had been going on for a long period of time, would the lady have been completely you know, out? Would she have been at least a little bit of justification in saying, hey, can you dial it back a little? Or is it is it sort of like carte blanche and that anything she, the kid wants to do, the kid gets to do? 414-799-1620. Back with more calls in just a minute. It's 125. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 
127, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, Brenda in Burlington. Brenda, good afternoon. Hello. Hi, Brenda. What do you think? I would not have said anything, um, especially special needs children. Mm-hmm. And I run a child care facility, and I absolutely love watching children express themselves. Mm-hmm. I don't think the lady was bad in doing that, but I think that she should have had more patience with the child. Uh, what? And, and again, I nobody knows, all, but what if this had been going on for an hour or an hour and a half? Um, sure. At some point in time... At some point, and the dad said, the, the gal's dad said, the girl's dad said, hey, you know, we, we, we know she's loud. We, we come to the games because we, we want to get loud. You know, that's sure. the whole idea. At, at some point in time, do you, if you're sitting, if you paid for the ticket and you're sitting in front, do you have a right to kind of say, hey, you're affecting my enjoyment of the game? Or is it just as long as she's not being obscene and she wasn't, she just gets right. to do what she wants? Well, personally, you know, a baseball game is a very exciting thing anyway. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I've been to baseball games, and I've had to listen to people cuss and swear. Right. You know. Right. Yeah, so, I, I understand. Yep. yep. You know, and that gets annoying, although I would not ever say anything. But this is just a special needs little girl that was doing the only thing she knew how to do. I'm mm-hmm. expecting, you know, and a baseball game is to have a good time, and it sounded like she was having a good time. Well, no, I mean, I, th- I guess she was. I, if, yeah, if, the if, lady in front wasn't. Right, yeah, that, see, thanks. For, see, and that, that's, I mean, that's the difficult thing. I mean, now, obviously, you, you don't want to be that cranky old person, hey, kid, get off my grasp. At, at the same time, and I, I just throw this out there, if if it was going on for a lengthy period of time, and you've paid money, and you're in your seat, and you, you've got some, I mean, does it make a difference if it's a special need child or it's a 17-year-old, or it's a 30-year-old. I have a text here. Uh, A version of this happened to us at a Brewers game in the nosebleeds. Grown man was nursing his one beer for half a game, yelling at the top of his lungs to various people in the stands. My pregnant wife got up, got in front of him, and reamed him out for being obnoxious. All right. I I mean, I I guess all I'm saying on this particular one is maybe there's more to, maybe there's more to the story. Sometimes there is. It's... 136, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. The Brewers in the playoffs, and now they are in the hunt for the division title. Catch every game of their final regular series, season series right here on WTMJ with Bob Euchre on the call starting this evening at 635. I will be there. Meanwhile, you can catch Sunday's Packers game on 94.5 KTI Country, and our coverage kicks off at 9 o'clock Sunday morning, sponsored by Catholic Financial Life. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. Melissa Barkley hung around. You realize there's nobody here today? I know. Like, like it's, it's like no it's, one's roaming the hallway. It, 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 everybody in management is gone. Every, everybody, everybody's just gone. I don't know exactly what that is. <laughs> except which, for us. Except for us, absolutely, which means, you know, we can we can get away with more stuff. All right. Don't don't you try that Gru's producing the show. Don't you try to get away with stuff. I I this shows you the trouble you're in. I am the authority figure here now, so that shows you. Oh, right. we're so in trouble now. You are okay. So here's the deal, Melissa. I know you rent now, but let us assume for the sake of argument that you own a home. Okay. Sure. All right. And and a lot of homeowners will be able to relate to this. In the spring, you you've got the house, and in the spring you want to start your gardening. You know, you want to plant flowers and all that sort of stuff. So one of the things that people commonly do is they'll contact lawn services or whatever, and they'll order like like giant 
piles of mulch, for example, or, or, or dirt or, you know, mm-hmm, right. Sure. You, you've seen that and, yeah. and they deliver it, right? You know, yeah. like a dump truck full of things. And then what happens is you go out on a you know, Saturday afternoon and you haul the wheelbarrow full of the, the dirt and you do the flower beds and stuff, right? Right. Okay. So let us assume that you are that homeowner and you have ordered a big load of dirt or mulch or whatever from the lawn service. Okay. And they've delivered the one and you've gone out and you've, you know, you've, you've done all the work in the flower beds and stuff. And then you get the bill from the company and they've billed you for two truckloads of dirt instead of one. Okay. Okay. All right. So you've been billed, you got one truckload of dirt, but you've been billed for two. What do you do? Well, I call them up and I say, listen, you only unloaded one pile of dirt. And you charge me for two. That's what I think a normal person would do. Right. And then you say you're, you're, you're not going like to pay. I would like a refund. Yes. I would like right. a refund. Well, you're not going to pay. Oh, yeah. Right? I'm not going to pay. Or, or, yeah. or whatever. Okay. Yeah. All right. Similarly, let's say that you call up the lawn service or whoever, and you order the truckload of dirt, and they never deliver it. They, they just blow you off. So you, you never get the dirt. But a couple of weeks later, you get a bill, and they're charging you for the dirt. What do you do then? Well, you call them and say they never showed up. I'm not paying the bill. Okay. Now, Gru, who's producing the show, same situation for you. Are you with Melissa that, you know, you get one truckload of dirt, you get billed for two. Do you pay for the two? No. You pay for the one, right? All right. You order a truckload of dirt. They never deliver the truckload of dirt. Do you pay for that, even if you get billed? No, of course not. Nobody in their right mind would do this, right? This is right. Nope. Right. Nobody, makes no sense. No, it would make no sense to pay for something that you didn't get or to pay if you're billed for two of something and you only ordered and got one. You, you, it would make no sense. Nobody in their right mind would do something like that. Right. Right. And the unfortunate part would be if you prepaid, you wouldn't want to do that because then yeah. you would be stuck right. with the bill. Maybe. Well, right. right. But, yeah. but you didn't. Bottom line is right. you, you didn't get it. You are Correct. being billed for something that you didn't get. Mm-hmm. And nobody. And now, now, sometimes it might be that you don't catch it. And, and so you inadvertently pay for it. And then you have to try to get it back. But but if you knew in advance that you were being billed for something that you did not get, Nobody in their right mind would pay for that, correct? Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Melissa Grew and I are on the same page there, which brings me to a story involving the Wisconsin Department of Transportation. And I will tell you that story and we will discuss in just a moment. It's 140. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 144, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right. The Milwaukee Journal Sentinel has an expose up on their website now. It is absolutely outstanding. Mark the tape. I said that. All right. Story by Raquel Rutledge. Now, by, by way of background, I know there's some people who say we, we need to have a gas tax. We need to have a. We need to have tollways. We need to have all this money. The roads are in awful shape. My point for years has been, I think tax increases need to be matters of the last resort, and I am convinced that there is such incredible waste and bloating and misspending in the way we throw money at roads and give to road builders now that you you could you could pay for a lot of improvements and do a lot of work if you just simply 
apply standard accounting procedures to the way things are done now. One of the things that I think is just disgraceful is the way these road builders are going after Scott Walker now. He has been the road builder's friend as far as expansion, but because he's not willing to increase taxes, the greedy you-know-whats, now they're going after him because they think they're going to do better with Tony Evers. Well, we'll see. But anyhow, here's the story. This is the way it's reported in the Journal Sentinel. As a percentage of the nearly $200 million budget for building, rebuilding a chunk of Wisconsin's busiest freeway, that would be the zoo interchange, $404,250 might seem insignificant. Right? It's only $400,000. But what if the money was paid by Wisconsin taxpayers for work that was never done? And what if the state knew it when the bill was paid? So in other words, you get that bill for the two truckloads of dirt. You get, we've ordered one, you get a bill for two. Nobody in their right mind is going to pay for that second one, right? Unless you're the state of Wisconsin Department of Transportation. According to the Journal Sentinel, that's what happened when contractors for the Milwaukee Zoo Interchange Project double billed the state for 15,000 cubic yards of gravel, enough to help pave one lane of highway for five miles. All right, so they double bill for 15,000 cubic yards of gravel. They double bill for that giant truckload of dirt that you have that you have ordered, except your dirt's not going to cost 400 grand. Although a project engineer, this is according to the Journal Sentinel, and again, it's available at JS Online, although a project engineer with the Wisconsin Department of Transportation discovered the discrepancy in advance and alerted supervisors, those in charge insisted the contractor be paid the additional money anyway, an investigation by the Journal Sentinel has found. When regulators at the Federal Highway Administration learned of the payment, the agency, this would be the DOT, uh, okay, no, this would be the Federal Highway Administration, made a rare decision to withdraw federal funding that had been allocated for the work saying justification for the expenditure seems inconsistent and makes no sense. As a result, state taxpayers had to cover the cost. They paid for stuff that was never delivered. And the Journal Sentinel continues, the same bidding arrangement that allowed for the double payment was used for dozens of other projects, raising the opportunity for additional misspending. Yet nobody sought to recover the funds, and nobody has been accountable for the waste. Instead, some of the same Department of Transportation workers who signed off on the more than $400,000 overpayment, along with the contractors who demanded the money, are teamed up on the state's largest mega roadway construction project three years later. That would be the I-94 expansion outside of Foxconn. Um, and, and then it goes on to describe this. But essentially, it, it's a double payment that they caught, and the State Department of Transportation went ahead and paid it otherwise. And the greedy road builders, despite being called on this, they didn't want to give it back. And to this day, they have apparently refused to give it back. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, again, I repeat what I have said before. Don't talk to me about the need to raise the gas tax. Don't talk to me about the need for toll roads. Don't talk to me about the need to increase registration fees until we have taken a hard look 
at the way the Department of Transportation spends money and the way we throw money at road building projects. And this, I mean, I wonder seriously if this is the tip of the iceberg. You're double billed for $400,000, which, I mean, I understand in the scheme of things, $400,000 here, $400,000 there. What's the big deal? Well, okay, it's $400,000. You have somebody who catches it. Hey, we never got this gravel. It's a double billing. We can't pay it. And the supervisors decide, well, no, it's just, it's going to be too much paperwork. And, you know, we're going to have to adjust the paperwork and do it. It's just easier to go ahead and give them the money. Who in their right mind would do something like this? 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It would seem to me that any supervisor at the Department of Transportation that signed off on, again, knowingly paying using taxpayer dollars to pay for work that was not done or materials that were not delivered should be out of a job. And any any contractor who knowingly and intentionally double-billed the state and then refused to give the state credit once that was called to their attention, well, I don't know. I don't want to throw around the word fraud, but at the very least, I would be giving them heavy scrutiny as to whether that contractor should ever, ever, ever get another road project again. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. At least that's how I see it. We're back to discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 151. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 154, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Now, as near as I can figure out, what happened is the company that bid on the project, and it was a consortium, they, they included the same thing twice. And there are two different bid items. And then it got caught. Hey, this is the same thing twice. And the state said, well, we're not we're not going to pay. It's the same thing twice. And the company said, well, no, you you, you got to pay. These are the bid items, even though it's the same item twice. And if you're going to change the bid, we're going to charge you $52,000. So the state went ahead and paid $400,000 for stuff that was never never delivered, never done. How, how can you do something like this? And then you tell me we need to raise gas taxes because the roads are in such terrible shape. Well, let's start with eliminating the waste slash fraud slash whatever that you find in these road projects now. Dennis in West Dallas. Dennis, you're on WTMJ. Thanks for taking my call. <laughs> you can't you make know, this stuff I, up. I am with you. I am with you on this 100%, okay? They, they need to get their own house in order. But the one thing that, that just blows my mind, we seemingly have this short attention span, and it, it astounds me that nobody is talking about how the former governor Doyle rated you know, the roads budget to be able to, you know, sustain his own budget overfall or overdraws or whatever. If he hadn't done that, we'd probably have the money to take care of the roads right now. Yeah, well, Dennis, I mean, thanks. I, mean I don't want to get too far afield because, I mean, they, ultimately that money was paid back and now the law has been changed to not allow you to do it. But, I mean, I, I mean, the, the problem is we spend uh, so much money on roads. And there, there's this sort of tight, this tight knit number of these big road contractors that, you know, frankly, I mean, like I say, they're upset that they're not getting even more money. So now you have some of them that are running the anti, you know, uh, the, the anti Scott Walker ads, you know, some of these road builders that want more money and stuff. And, and look, I understand that the roads need work, 
But you, you've got to have basic auditing procedures. And you know, how many times do we have these stories about, okay, you rebuild a stretch of roadway, and then two years later um, you find out that there's all these problems and we pay to rebuild it? Well, according to this Journal Sentinel story, I mean, here's a deal where you know the, the bid item contains the same thing twice. They catch it. They catch it, and they say, no, this is the same thing twice, and they still go ahead and pay four hundred grand to the point that apparently the Federal Highway Administration, they catch it, and they say, well, we're not going to fund this. We're, why, why in the world would we give $400,000 twice for the, the same for the same thing? It, it's just it's one thing, but you've got the people that, again, they're just grabbing the money, and they're grabbing the money, and it's $400,000. Well, who's going to notice? Well, I'm sorry, $400,000 is a lot of stuff. Let's talk to Eric in Oconomowoc. Eric, you're on WTMJ. How are you doing? Yeah, this just makes me think that there is a kickback somewhere. Something's going on. Uh, someone's getting their pocket lined somehow, some way. Well, I mean, it, it is. I mean, I think. I mean, look, I, I don't know. I, I don't know why. I, I or it, it just could be this this inefficiency or whatever. But I mean, look, I understand that mistakes happen. I mean, I, I, I get it. Stuff, things like that can happen. You, you can erroneously be double charged, and that doesn't mean that there's fraud involved or anything like that. I, I, I get it. But what happens is, once you catch it, and in this particular case, they had an employee that caught it. They had an employee that flagged this and said, hey, I'm looking through this, and, you know, here, here's the bid thing. It's the same line item in two different places. We, we're, you know, we're being charged for 15,000 cubic feet of whatever, of gravel, and we're being charged twice for the same gravel. Once you catch it, once you catch and identify that there has been a problem here, nobody in their right mind pays it. No, nobody does, unless you are the state of Wisconsin, where from the perspective of the employee, he calls it out to his supervisors, and his supervisors, well, they talk about it, they go back and forth, and then decide, oh, it's too much trouble. It's just too much trouble to try to deal with this, and we've got these bids, and nobody caught this before. Let's just go ahead and give them the extra $404,000. It's absolutely crazy. But again, and I would say this to anyone who's talking about a gas tax or any increased increased taxation on the roadways, before you do that, let's look at things like this, and let's figure out how much waste there is and how much mismanagement and here's $404,000, uh, example, case example number one, and credit to the Journal Sentinel for finding this. You can see this at JS Online. It's 159. A lot of stuff coming up in the next hour of the program. The Kimberly Clark deadline is getting ready to pass. I'll tell you about that in just a minute. Stick around. It's 2 8. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So, Brew, did you follow what, what Melissa was talking about, the, the Brewers representative, as to how they're trying to keep playoff tickets in the hands of Brewers fans? It, it's actually, it, it's sort of it's sort of ingenious. And, and I, I, I saw this coming. Here, here's the deal. I, again, I, I have a partial season ticket for 20 games. So, early September, I get an email from my contact at the Brewers. And they say, okay, well, here, here's the deal. You can. You, you can you can buy playoff tickets in advance, and you know you, there's different plans that you can do. And my my friend Evan and I we decided we're going to renew season tickets for next year. We've had a great time, so we renewed the season tickets. And then what we did is we signed up for we we could purchase two tickets 
to the, all the different potential playoff games. And you have the same seat for, for all of them. And this is back in early September. They told us what the seat was going to be. And they also gave me the option of either having the e-ticket thing or actually getting physical tickets. This is, and, and I said, okay, well, I, I kind of like the, I, I like the tickets. I, I just do. I'm a little bit old school. As a matter of fact, they came yesterday, yesterday, two days ago. So I, I got all the tickets in advance. And what they do is you give them your credit card and they charge you a down payment. And the further they get in the playoffs, the more they charge. Well, all right, my my buddy um, and I, we had a couple other people that, that wanted perhaps to go if there's a, a wild card game on Tuesday. And so you can buy individual, if you're a season ticket holder, you can buy more than the two that we automatically got. And they had a special pre-sale for the season ticket holders. And it was, it was like Monday morning and you, you had to have a, you had to have your account number and things like that. But if you did that, you could not order hard copies of the tickets and you couldn't order e-tickets either. What would do is that you sign up and then what would happen, what happens is the day of the game, they send you the barcodes onto your cell phone. Now, this doesn't make it impossible. And then you need your cell phone to go and to get into the game. Now, it doesn't make it impossible, for example, if you're a Brewers fan, to to sell the tickets to, say, a Cubs fan or something like that. It's not impossible, but it's really, really difficult because you have to wait until you get that, that barcode sent to you on the day of the game, and then you suddenly have to transfer it. Now, I mean, I guess there's, there's ways you could get around it. You could probably still sell them, but it, it makes it a lot more difficult. And I actually applaud the Brewers for that. I mean, I, I, I applaud them. They're, they're, I think, trying to think make sure that it's the true fans there, not just the people that are trying to flip the tickets in order to make a few bucks. So I, I give them a little bit of credit there. And, I mean, hopefully, I mean, I'm telling you, at this point in time, after being out of the playoffs for the last six or seven years, you know, if, if you got a chance to go to the wild card game or go to the division series or whatever, and, and you're thinking about selling your tickets, ah, shame on you. All right. Now, in the last segment of the program, we talked about how the Department of Transportation knowingly and intentionally allowed itself to be overbilled $400,000 for materials that they knew were not delivered. And I think the general concept was, how can you not ask for that money back, or how can you go ahead and pay it? Right here, Here's a story that's kind of the flip side of it. Now, there's no question that the Milwaukee County pension system is an absolute and total mess. It goes back to all the problems with the the whole pension scandal back in 2001 and 2002, and it's been well documented. And the truth is, financially, because of the ramifications and the fallout of the pension scandal, Milwaukee County is going to be behind the financial eight ball for a long time to come. All right, so here's the deal, and I want to get your reaction as to what you think should happen. 2012. There's a 49-year-old Milwaukee County Sheriff's deputy who dies um, on duty in a two-vehicle crash on I-43. He leaves behind him a wife and five children. So he dies in the line of duty. Now, he'd worked for the county for a number of years, so he was entitled to a, a pension. On top of that... He apparently was also entitled to a workers' compensation death benefit. So he's got the pension coming, 
and he's got the death benefit, the, the death benefit from workers' compensation, and he's got the pension. Now, the way it works, and this is not unusual, I guess, that what the county is supposed to do is the one offsets the, the other one. In other words, that the, the death benefit is supposed to go and, and be used to satisfy the pension obligation. That's, that's not an unusual type of thing. You're not supposed to be able to collect both. You, you can only collect like one at a time. But the county screws up and doesn't, doesn't count that. So they're supposed to reduce the pension payment by the amount of the death benefit, right? But they don't catch it. So they incorrectly pay the workers' compensation death benefit and the pension at the same time. So they're they're making the wrong payment to the widow and the five children. The widow doesn't know that this is the wrong payment. The widow, just she's getting the money. She, She assumes that this is correct. The county finds out about this and then makes the decision, at least initially, the former pension chief knows of the error but fails to correct it. So for several years, the widow continues to collect both when she should only be collecting one. Well, because this goes on so long, it adds up to a boatload of money. Turns out that the widow has now been overpaid like 140 grand that, that she shouldn't have gotten. On top of that, there's also about $23,000 in interest payments on the money that she was overpaid. But she's done nothing wrong. She, she's done absolutely nothing wrong other than collect the checks that the county has sent her. Well, the county has found out about this mistake. And the county has now corrected the mistake. So moving forward, she's not getting both payments. But there's still the matter of the $140,000 that she got over a period of several years that she wasn't entitled to, um, but through no fault of her own. It's not like she submitted false paperwork or anything. It was the county that screwed up and continued to make payments to the widow even after they knew that they had screwed up. So here's the story. Earlier this week, the pension board has decided that it's going after the widow. Her name is Jenna Ailman, and they've decided that this money that she was incorrectly overpaid, the hundred and forty grand, they want that, and they also want twenty three thousand dollars in interest because of the county's error. So they've made the error. They want the money back, and then they want interest on the money that they incorrectly paid. Um, the widow, she says. Look, it, it shouldn't have happened, but I based my life and I've made investments on what they told me. The director of retirement plan services says, well, you know, we need to protect our pension system, rolling eyes, and give everyone benefits they're entitled to. And it's difficult when retirees and their family members are caught in the effects from previous errors. All right. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The widow. And the five surviving children did absolutely nothing wrong. The county screwed up. And knowing that it had made a mistake, the former pension office continued to shell out this money year after year after year. Now 
the the widow, so she's gotten admittedly one hundred forty thousand dollars over a several year period that she should not have gotten. But it wasn't her fault that this this wasn't like going to an ATM and trying to withdraw a hundred bucks and it gives you ten thousand dollars. This was hey, you know, this is what they told her she was entitled to. This is what she's gotten. They want the money back and they want interest. What do you think? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Should Milwaukee County just eat this because it was their mistake and they perpetuated it? Or should the widow have to repay this money? And candidly, I, I don't know how she repays it. She says, look, I, I spent this, I've lived on this money for, for years and I, I spent it based on this belief that this is what I was going to get. This is what they told me, and I proceeded to live my life accordingly. Should she have to pay the money back? 414-799-1620. We discuss in a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. I will, of course, tell you where I come down on this as well. 218 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 220 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Mike on the northwest side. Hi, Mike. Hey, uh, good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, I think you should keep the money 100%. Uh, if the county screwed up... Uh she just lost her husband. She's probably, you know, thinking different stuff and everything's rolling around. And she's getting this money for all this time. And yeah. it should be the county that should have caught it in the first place. Well, and the county did. That, that's the amazing thing. The county apparently did catch it and then decided to continue to make payments to her. At that point in time, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I mean, I think it's I, I think it's on the county. I mean, how, how can you... How can you do something like that? You're making the mistake and you continue to do it. You don't notify her. I'm with you. I, I don't think it's her problem. Uh, she keeps the money and uh, screw the county. Right. Uh, well, Maybe his wife would do the same thing. Well, thanks for calling. I mean, and then you want to talk about adding insult to injury. You want to talk about cojones. You want to talk about guts. The people at the county pension board have the audacity not only to ask for the hundred and forty grand that they incorrectly paid her, but they want interest on top of that. My God, interest on top of that. We've paid you all this money by mistake, money that you probably spent in reliance that we knew what we were doing, and now we want all that money back, and we want you to give us $23,000 on interest. I'm telling you, I hope this woman runs to court. I hope there is a lawsuit. This demonstrates, again, how out of control Milwaukee County has been and what a mess the pension thing is. If there was any evidence that suggested that the widow was was in cahoots on this, that she had filled out false statements, that she was, you know, supposed to notify the county. If there was any evidence that she had done anything wrong or knew that this was wrong, I would probably have a different opinion on this. But her husband dies. She's got five kids to raise. Milwaukee County comes out and says, okay, well, the, these are the checks that you get, and we're giving you the money, and now you have the audacity to ask for it back? I don't think so. Shame on Milwaukee County and their pension board. Peg and Beaver Dam. Peg, you're on WTMJ. Hey, I did workers' compensation claims for years, and this is totally on the county. They're self-insured. They should know what they're doing. If they didn't coordinate internally with their own pension people, well, then too bad. To me, the word bad faith, which will make any insurance carrier jump and scream, Mm -hmm. um, should be applied here. You know, it's absolutely ludicrous. And then they had the balls to ask them for... uh, 
for uh, interest on it is yeah. well, that, right. That, 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 yeah, I, you, okay. I, you used the word that I was reluctant to use, but you're exactly right. I mean, to have the cojones to do that. All right, we've mispaid. Yeah. We have incorrectly overpaid you one hundred forty thousand dollars that you have spent. We want that dough back, and we want you to give us interest on the money. It's it is unbelievable how incompetent the Milwaukee County Pension Board is, and and how. I guess just out to lunch they are. And again, I, I understand that you want to protect the integrity of the pension system, but this is not the widow's fault, at least in my opinion. No, no absolutely not. This is, again, an internal screw up. The city is, uh, and the county are self-insured, you know, for workers' compensation and for their, their pension program. And again, to me, this smacks of bad faith. And that is not something that I would say as a, as a former claims adjuster that I would use in, in uh, lightly. Right. This is this is totally bad faith. Yeah, no thanks to call. I mean, I, I'm I'm with you, but it just it, it also just strikes me as being fundamentally wrong. Again, absent any evidence that the widow did something wrong. If if there's if there were false statements uh, about this, if she didn't disclose that she was getting one payment after another, but I mean, she she just lost her husband. Look. You know, everybody knows my situation. I mean, I went through stuff like this a couple of years ago and, you know, dealing with you know different payments that you have coming in from different places and workers comp and long term disability and all that type of stuff. And there's a lot of stuff that you're juggling when you're going through a situation like this. And and in this particular case, you, you rely you rely on pension calculations. The average person doesn't know. Gee, you know what? Gee, I didn't expect my husband to die suddenly at the age of forty-nine. I I don't know what his pension was supposed to be. I'm going to rely on the people that supposedly know what they're doing. I don't know what the workers' comp is supposed to be. I don't know the interplay. That's why you you rely on the people that are supposed to know what they're doing. And what makes this even more egregious is Milwaukee County knew that there was a mistake apparently early on in this process, and they continued. Without notifying the widow, they continued to send her money that they apparently knew that she wasn't entitled to. And now, you know, when the you-know-what hits the fan, they go back and try to collect. I don't think so. Dave in Greenfield. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. I think this is just an example of real sloppy governmental work. Yep. I don't. It sounds like the lady didn't do anything wrong. It sounds like she's innocent. But I still think there should be disciplinary action, and there's got to be some kind of paper trail, signatures, something leading back. The ones that should be held accountable and and basically forced to pay this money back should be the governmental work, workers involved. Well, I mean, thank, thanks. For, I mean, this is one of the things that cost the former the, the woman that used to run the pension fund, it, it, the pension office. I mean, it ended up costing her her job. But I, again, I just think from a fundamental fairness perspective. You, you you can't you just have to eat it, and I understand that that makes it more difficult. It puts added pressure on the pension system. But when you make mistakes like this, you, you it's not right to go back and expect somebody else to pay. Now, I mean, again, I, I started off this conversation by saying I I understand that like if the bank makes a mistake, it, it's going to go back and it's going to collect stuff from you. If if all of a sudden you you look at your checking account statement one month and you see Fifteen thousand dollars has been put into the account, and you know that you know that you did, that's not your fifteen grand. All right, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be too sympathetic 
if you run out and spend it and the bank catches it and says, okay, we, we want that money back. But but that case, you knew you didn't get the money. You go to that ATM and you ask for $10 and it spits out $1,000 and you spend that money. I'm not going to be sympathetic because you knew you weren't entitled to that. But if you're relying on a government agency that says, this is what your monthly payment is, and we're going to continue to send you this monthly payment for years, it's not your fault. And I don't think she should have to repay the money. And I sure as heck don't think that she should have to pay interest on the money that Milwaukee County incorrectly gave her in the first place. We'll see what happens. 227, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 236, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, two personal notes before we go to Pop Culture Corner. Indulge me for just a minute. Um, I have been really privileged, and I use that word I, I, I use that that is the word I choose intentionally privileged to work with a lot of great talent um, here at WTMJ over the last 20 plus years people that you've heard on the air and also people behind the scenes I have had a series of great bosses people who've been supportive people who have gotten me people who have made it a fun place to work um, and and it, it's just it's been very very rewarding and people who've served as mentors and, and people that I've learned a lot from one of the guys is our current general manager. His name is Tom Langmeyer. Uh, Tom, Tom's a big deal in radio. Tom ran radio stations like KMOX in St. Louis and WGN in Chicago, and he's been with us for the last five, it seems, maybe more than that, five plus years. But Tom has been a friend, and, and Tom has been a supporter. And I, I, you know, he's he's a great radio guy, but he's an even better person. That's just the bottom line of all this. I, I remember a few years back when my when my, my first wife was diagnosed with terminal illness, I I, I went in to tell him about this. And I, I, I'd already done my research and I start talking about family medical leave and how much vacation I have and what. And he stopped me in mid sentence and, and he just said, Jeff, do whatever you need to do and we will make it work. You tell us what you need and we will make it work. And he, that wasn't just window dressing. That was very, very sincere. That tells you what kind of guy Tom Langmeyer is. I bring this up because Tom is originally from Buffalo. And, and last last night, Tom was honored and was introduced into the um, Buffalo Broadcasters Association, their Radio Hall of Fame. He won this specific award, which is given to um, people who, well, it, it's actually for people who worked in the market, but have made their mark on the national stage. And um, it has just been my great honor to work with Tom Langmeyer over the last several years. And this is a well-deserved award. I know a couple people from the station were out in Buffalo last night, and I just I didn't want I didn't want this week to end without acknowledging that. And um, just a, a wonderful a wonderful guy. And I don't know where the future is going to take Tom, but he's 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 just the best, just absolutely the best. Okay, that's number one. Number two. They said it wouldn't last. I have to do this shout out. I talk a lot about my wife, Fran, who has just been the, the, the joy of my life. And um, our wedding anniversary is tomorrow. One year wedding anniversary. So, Gru, just keep this in mind. You know, when you're doing your radio shows or whatever or helping other people in the future, always remind them to acknowledge the special people in their life. And wedding anniversaries are important. So our one year anniversary is coming up tomorrow. And Boy, time just certainly flies, but I uh, did not want it to pass without acknowledging that. I know I talk a lot about Fran. That's because she's an important part of my life, and uh, love you, hon. All right. With that said, let us switch to Pop Culture Corner. We do this this time every week. It's 
uh, a chance to stop our heavy lifting and kind of go have a little bit of fun as we go into the weekend. And Lord knows there's been a lot of heavy lifting this week. Sometimes we talk about books, sometimes food, sometimes travel, sometimes sports, sometimes TV. Uh, it just kind of depends on what's going on in a given week and what tickles my fancy and what I hope will, will tickle yours. This is a huge, huge sports time around here. You have the Brewers that are back in the playoffs and still fighting for a division title. You've got the Packers that are going on. You've got the Bucks that start soon. They've got their first exhibition game is coming up relatively soon. Everybody's excited about the Bucks season. Everybody's excited about my Marquette men's basketball season. It's a great sports time here in Wisconsin right now. The Packers are playing all that stuff. And I thought for Pop Culture Corner this week, we'd, we, we'd kind of dip into the world of sports, but not completely into the world of sports. Two nights ago, I was looking for something to watch on television late at night. I'm doing my channel surfing, and I come across one of my all-time favorite sports movies, Paul Newman, Slapshot. Great movie about minor league hockey, just incredibly funny, and I've probably seen it 15 or 20 or 25 times. I sat up till 2 o'clock in the morning watching this movie Slapshot that, that I'd seen a million times. I never get tired of watching it. It is one of my favorite sports movies. I thought given all the stuff that's going on in the world of sports, eh, we'll kind of mix fiction and fact. The best sports movie of all time. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It could be a drama. It could be a comedy. I mean, you got Major League with our very own Bob Euchre. But the best sports movie of all time, 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, as I always say during these segments, I advise people to try to call early because the phone lines tend to jam up quickly. Um, we'll try to get to ma- as many calls as we possibly can. Your favorite sports movie of all time, 414-799-1620. And again, comedy, drama, doesn't matter. It could be a documentary. Some people argue, for example, Hoop Dreams, um, which is a great basketball documentary. All right, no limits. Only categories, it's got to be a sports film. 414-799-1620, back to discuss in just a moment. That's Pop Culture Corner for this week. 242, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 245, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, best sports movie ever. Let's start with Tammy in Menominee Falls. Tammy, good afternoon. Hi. Hi, Tammy. Best sports movie ever is? Remember the Titans. Uh, Denzel Washington. Can't go wrong with that. Excellent movie. Um, you know, a base, of course, based on a true story about, you know, his, he plays the guy who's trying to integrate, uh, integrate the football team and stuff. And, uh, it, it's very, very compelling. There's no question about it. Sends a wonderful message. Yeah. Uh, thanks. For, I, yeah, I like, those are some of the really good sports movies. I mean, I, you know, the ones that are based on, on true stories like that. And there's a number of very good ones, but, you know, remember the Titans is out there. One of the movies I watched the other day, Gru, have you ever seen The Blind Side? Um, yeah, and I, I'd like, I actually, I, th- that's a little bit fictionalized. It, it's based on, you know, the Michael, the story of Michael Orr, who, you know, played tackle for the Baltimore Ravens and a couple other teams. And he says it, it's a little more fictionalized than you would think. But still, I, I always thought that was a very good movie as well. Mary in Germantown. Mary, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. Okay. Best sports movie ever? Field of Dreams, Kevin Costner. Yeah, you know, James Earl Jones, um, that's, mm-hmm. 
you know, that's one, let me give you the male perspective on that. That's one that, you know, no, no matter what kind of relationship you had with your dad, that's one at the end where, you know, Kevin Costner is, what do they say, having the catch with, you know, his, his dad. It, it, yeah. it's, it's gotta, it's, it's gotta choke you up. If it doesn't choke you up from a perspective of a guy, there's something wrong with you. And my husband's favorite is the nat- the natural Robert Redford. Oh right, right, e- exactly. No, thanks. I mean, I I guess I I I would probably prefer Field of Dreams. I, I think you know the first half of it I think is a little bit weird, but at the end, you know, you've got you know Ray Liotta and you've got James Earl Jones in there and Burt Lancaster. Oh, it's just it's it's very very good. One of the things on my bucket list is I want to go to the Field of Dreams in Iowa. Never been there. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to Pete. In Wauwatosa, Pete, you're on WTMJ. Pete. Okay, let's try Dave in Port Washington. Dave, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Love your show. Thank you, sir. You're killing me, Smalls. Uh, <laughs> that lot. It's a great uh, family movie. It, it, it just, it is. And that's one that I think you know everybody can relate to. Certainly every guy can relate to it. You know, you're you're just used to... You know those summer afternoons where you'd go off with your friends and you'd play you'd play ball on the sandlot. You you didn't need the parents. You just you just went out and you had fun. That's for sure. It's a great, great movie. Thank you. No, thanks for calling. Sandlot was absolutely tremendous. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to Carl in Kenosha. Carl, you're on WTMJ. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, Caddyshack by far. <laughs> um, it's in the hall. Yeah, it's it's it, it's. Yeah, it, no, it, it's yes. Thanks. For, I, mean, I, I don't even know what to say about Caddyshack. It, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I just got done reading a book about the making of Caddyshack, and you know, they, they were trying to duplicate the success of Animal House, and you know, it was never as successful as Animal House, but still, it was, and it was kind of a nightmare, I guess, to make. And if you, if you think back objectively as a movie, it makes absolutely no sense. It, it makes absolutely no sense. But as a series of vignettes, and and I mean. I know Rodney Dangerfield just just that was his first movie, and I, I remember that one of the stories they tell is what in, in a movie. What what happens is when the director says action, that's when you're supposed to start. And Rodney Dangerfield had never made a movie, and they say like you know he's supposed to come into a scene, and the director says okay action, and he doesn't do anything. And they say is everything okay? He says yeah. They say okay action, and he won't come out to do anything. And they they say he says whoa. What do you mean? You mean you want me to do the bit? And they say, yes, do the bit. So they had to, whenever they wanted Rodney Dangerfield to do something, they couldn't yell action because he didn't get it. They'd say, do the bit. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Cliff in Houstisford. Cliff, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Cliff. Uh, our, my favorite movie, Miracle with Kurt Russell. He played a great um, a great uh, hockey coach, Herb Brooks, right. when yeah. the uh, U.S. Olympic team won the 1980 gold. Right, based on the based on the Miracle on Ice story. Yeah, do you, do you, do you remember when that happened? Do you do you remember yeah. when they? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. That's one of the times where you always know where and when you were and what you were doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, when when the U.S. hockey team, thank thanks so beat the Soviet Union, the, the Miracle on Ice. Yeah, Miracle is a very very good movie, and you don't have to be a hockey fan to enjoy it. Dustin in Waukesha. Dustin, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. How you doing? Good. Okay, your favorite. I'm going to go ahead and say A League of Their Own. Oh, well, can't can't go wrong with I mean, Madonna and Rosie O'Donnell and uh, Gina. Oh, I'm drawing a blank on the star's name, but yeah, it's Gina Davis. Gina Davis, right? Exactly, and of course, 
you know, Tom Hanks with one of the one of the great movie roles of, of all time, playing the baseball manager there. Yeah, great, great movie. It, it is. I think, and plus, it's again, it, it's there's a degree of authenticity. Lori Petty's in it too. There's a degree of um, you know authenticity to it, and it's one of the things I enjoyed about A League of Their Own. Is it was a great movie. It was a great story. It was entertaining, but also it kind of gave you a glimpse into. I don't know, you know, ladies baseball during, you know, World War II. Four one something I knew nothing about. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Rick in New Berlin. Rick, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Yes, good afternoon, Jeff. Uh Brian sung a story about Gail Sailors and Brian Piccolo. Um right. And of course Brian Piccolo dies of cancer and right. just the relationship. I mean he was he was the white running back. Gail Sayers was the black running back at a time where um, you know, integration wasn't necessarily the, the thing, especially in pro sports. Um, that's another one that if you watch Brian's song and you don't choke up a little bit at the end, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, thanks. I mean, just a, just a, a great one. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Greg in West Bend. Greg, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Um, I'd like to chime in on the ticket thing real quick. I, I think it's a great thing that the Brewers are doing. All right. And I wish the Packers would do the same thing, but right. hey, I digress. <laughs> okay. bad, uh, bad news Bears lost Walter Matthau. Oh, right, the, and um, and Tatum O'Neill, right? Oh no, Jody Foster. No, it was, it was Jody Foster, right? Or was it Tatum O'Neill? One of the two. I'm drawing a blank on that. Me but, too. <laughs> yeah, the I'm, um, I want to say Jody Foster. I think it was Jody Foster, but somebody will correct me if it was. It was either. Jody Foster or Tatum O'Neill is one of those two, but right, the original one. Some of the sequels I think went downhill, right, right, but right, Walter right, Matthau right. was just great. Yes, he was. He would know. Thanks for the, the original Buttermaker. That's what he played. He played Buttermaker, the guy that cleaned pools and ended up ended up coaching the the Bad News Bears baseball team. I loved that one. Let's talk to Bill in Oshkosh. Bill, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Thanks Hi. for taking my call. Yes, sir. Hey, uh, the movie I'm thinking of is Pride of the Yankees. Lou Gehrig's uh, story. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Did we lose you? Oh, I'm sorry. We lost Bill there. Uh, yeah. Um, the the Lou Gehrig story, Pride of the Yankees. Another. I mean, a, an older movie, but still just a, a great one. Jason in Milwaukee. Jason, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Real quick. I'm 35. Born and raised in Milwaukee. I was uh, about five or six. They filmed Major League at the County Stadium. Right. I was there. I was there. You know, I don't remember it, but I was there. <laughs> Not my favorite movie. Um, Tanny took mine with Remember the Titans, but I have a second. It's called uh, Bleed for This. About Vinny Paz the Boxer. Oh, okay. I don't, I, I don't, I'm not familiar with that one, but let's, yeah, we, we can't let this segment end, you know, without at least doing a shout out to Major League and for all of us who were living in Milwaukee when they, they filmed it, you know, restaurant scenes at the old Gritz's Pizzazz on Good Hope Road, all the scenes at a county stadium, even though county stadium is doubling for Cleveland, of, of all things, um, some of the filming that they did at homes along Lake Drive. And I know that there were a lot of people who were, you know, would go there night after night and would be extras. And, of course, you, you got Bob Euchre. And I, I thought one of the great things is, you know, you have Bob Euchre the other night. In the locker room while the Brewers are celebrating making the playoffs, you got Bob Euchre and he's doing the Harry Doyle thing that, you know, he, he did back in Major League. It's just absolutely timeless. I'm sorry. I wish we had a little bit more time, but, um, all, all great choices. I like Slapshot. I, I like Hoop Dreams an awful lot. Uh, there's just, there's just so many 
good movies that are out there. And maybe this weekend, as we're all focused on sports, you've got the big Brewers weekend, you've got the Packers playing on Sunday. I don't know, if you've got a little bit of time, I don't know, pop in the DVD or check out On Demand, see what sports movies are playing. You won't be sorry. It's 2.55. When we come back, we're going to find out what Scott and Melissa have on their minds on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around.